you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14, we'll begin at verse 12 and read this evening through verse 18. You know, the Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask me in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 7 through 11, and we saw two things of how God the Father is revealed through God the Son. We saw last Sunday night that if we know the Son, we know the Father. If we see the Son, we also see the Father. And tonight, Jesus continues on speaking with his disciples. Again, Judas is gone. He is gone from the room that Jesus here is meeting with his disciples. And he's teaching those 11 who are still with him. And tonight, we learn something about faith. And how there is a faith that does not Waver. Now, if we're honest, our faith does waver from time to time. And so do we have faith that does not sway unsteadily, that does not move back and forth or weakened by force? Often our faith will waver during difficult times or or loss in the face of of a harsh providence. However, we see the reality of our faith. And so Jesus knows that his disciples, that they are going to go through some very difficult days ahead. In a little less than 24 hours from the time that Jesus speaks, he will be on the cross, dying. We know that all of his disciples but one will abandon Jesus. Jesus has already told Peter that he will deny him three times. He knew all of this and he knew that his disciples would need to be strengthened. Not only for the days ahead, but for the ministry that would be upon them. He also knew that many of these men that he spoke to that very evening would die for their faith. Would die for preaching the gospel. So we need to recognize that even in the face of a frowning providence, that we can have a a solid faith, a faith that will not shrink, a faith that will not disappoint, 
a faith that will persevere in this life. So there are three things I want us to learn tonight concerning our faith and whether or not it will waver. The first is this, our our faith will not waver if we recognize the power of the church. Now, where does the church receive her power? Well, the church receives her power from Jesus. He is head and king of the church. And, and Jesus has all authority. We hear that in the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. And so in the Great Commission, Jesus shows us his authority and the authority of Christ, as we've already seen in John's gospel, is divine. He and the Father are one. He did not teach on his own accord. He taught all that the Father told him to teach. But the authority of Christ is not just over the church. It is also over the entire world. How do we know that? Well, as John has already told us in the first chapter, Jesus is creator. And so as creator with the Father and the, and the Spirit, His authority goes uh, to the ends of the earth. He actually tells the disciples and us to go to the ends of the earth with His authority and with His gospel. And so Christ's power is the power of God. It says not only to the church, but over the entire world. The power of the church is the power of God. And, and that power extends over the entire world. And so the church, both local and universal, is the very kingdom of God and displays the power and authority of God. Now you might be saying, what does that have to do with our text? Look at verse 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Again, Jesus is talking to these men who are his disciples, who are his apostles. Jesus is the head of the church. We know that. He laid down his life for the church. But it will be these men who will then go out and build the church. And so the power of the church is found not only in Jesus, but that power is also found in these men that he speaks to, the, the apostles. Now we need to understand that the church did not begin with the apostles. Some think that. Some believe that there is no church until we get to the New Testament. Listen to Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 54. It asks, What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? The answer is this, that the Son of God from the beginning of the world gathers, defends, and preserves to Himself by His Spirit and Word out of the whole human race a church chosen to everlasting life, agreeing in true faith, and that I am and forever shall remain a living member thereof. You hear what they say, that from the very beginning God has had a church upon this earth. It began in the garden with Adam and Eve. How do we know that their sons knew what to bring to God? And Abel brought what was 
what was right, Cain did not. And God was angry with Cain. How did they know that? Because God had taught their parents what it meant to worship Him. And they were the first church. And so from the very beginning of the Bible to the end, we see what? God redeeming for Himself a people which constitutes the church. Now, according to Christ, men would do greater works than Christ did. What men? The apostles. The works that are spoken of here in verse 12 are what we know as miraculous works. The same type of works that that, that Jesus said He had been doing. If you look back here in this chapter, uh, in verse 10, Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And now he says to these men, you will be doing works greater than what even I did. As we speak of these miraculous works, the miraculous works of the apostles, they were restricted to the apostles and do not continue today. There are no apostles today in this world. They're preachers, they're evangelists, there's ministers, there's elders, but there are no apostles. And so the power of the church today is not found in in spiritual gifts. There are those who who believe that that the power is found in in spiritual gifts. But those spiritual gifts, those miraculous spiritual gifts, were given exclusively to the apostles. At the end of the apostles and with the the finishing uh, of the canon, there was no more need of such miraculous signs. And so the power of the church is found in Christ. We find it in the apostles, but... Today, it is found where? It is found not in miracles. It is found through preaching. Now again, preaching is foolishness to the world. But the power of the church today is found in the preaching of the gospel. What are we preaching? That that Jesus is a risen and exalted Savior. The proclaiming of this gospel to every creature. And we see in that God turning the souls of, of men from darkness to light. And so the power of the church today rests upon Christ and His gospel. And in that gospel preached, there is power. And we don't always think that, do we? Because we don't see it. There's power whenever the Word of God goes forth. The power to convert the worst sinner into a child of God. And so that's the first thing we must, we must recognize. We must recognize the power of the church. But then, second of all, in order for our faith not to waver, we must recognize the power of prayer. In verse 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now again, the disciples were facing the reality that Jesus was about to leave them. And yet he's calling them here to an increased confidence in himself. Arthur Pink puts it this way. Now, he reminds them that his corporal absence would only unite these apostles to him more intimately 
and more effectual in a spiritual way. True, he would be in heaven and they on earth, but prayer would remove all sense of distance. Prayer could bring them into his very presence at any time. Yes, prayer was all essential if they were to do these greater things. And so the church has the power to do the things that Christ calls us to do, and prayer is the key. When we pray, we're manifesting that we have true faith in the Lord Jesus. Now notice Jesus tells us that prayer must be done in His name. What does that mean? It means we, we pray in the name of Christ. It's appropriate that we conclude our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. But it's all, it also means more than that. When we pray in the name of Christ, we we pray as we are identified with Him. We pray to God based on our union with Jesus. We are in union with Christ tonight, and so we pray to God based on that union. We pray to God based on the merits of Jesus. The merits of His righteousness and works. We pray to God and pray only for that which is according to to His perfections and what will be for His glory. All, all of that is what Jesus says that we, when we pray in His name, we are doing. And if we ask in His name and, and we ask these things, then, then God will do it. Jesus will do it. Whenever we pray in the name of Jesus and in accordance with the will of God, those prayers will be answered. Now, does this mean that everything we pray for will come to pass? No, because if it does not, it means it was not in the will of God. And when this happens, what are we to recognize? We're to get angry with God? No, we are to, we are to recognize that God is sovereign. And His sovereignty overrules our prayers. Now, we may be praying for something that is good and right. But yet, God may not choose to give us what we are praying for. But even that is an answer. The answer is no. The prayer is answered. No, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to do that for you. But, but we, we understand that God is sovereign even over our prayers to apply to God for anything in the name of Christ. Whatever that petition is, it must be in keeping with who Christ is. And so we can only rightly ask God for that which will magnify the Son. To ask in the name of Christ is to set aside our own will and bow to the perfect will of God. And then in verse 15, Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now we might think, well, what does that have to do with prayer? This is connected with the verses before which speaks of prayer and clearly indicates to us that love is the true or spring of true faith and the goal of real prayer. We are to pray in the name of Christ. We are to pray for those things agreeable to the will of God through the mediation of Jesus and Him alone. We are not to pray through the mediation of anyone else. There is one high priest there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ 
Jesus. And we do that when we pray out of love. And how do we know if we love Jesus? If we keep his commandments. There are many who say, well, Christianity is not about keeping commandments. It's not about keeping the law of God. In a sense, they're right. It's not about keeping the law of God for our salvation. We, We have that. God has given that to us in and through Jesus. It is about keeping the commandments of Christ because we love him. God has given to us what? Ten commandments. Ten commandments in Exodus 20. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep those commandments. Those are the commandments of Christ. It's not just those commandments. Any other commandment we hear in the gospel, we are to keep that as well. And so our prayer and our love for Jesus as we pray to him, we show that we love him. And we show that we love him as well as we seek to keep his word. But then there's a third thing we see concerning our faith and not wavering. And it is this. If we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit. To say that tonight does not make us Pentecostal. But we must understand the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him. For he dwells with you and I will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus tells his disciples that he will pray that the Holy Spirit will come in fullness. Now, that leads to another question that many people get wrong. And it's this. Does that mean that up to this point the Holy Spirit was not present and working in this world? And the answer is no. Who do we find back at creationists? It's always a matter. You go back to creation and, and, and you see everything you need to see. Who do we find? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. He has been active from the very beginning. But now as Jesus here is about to leave His disciples, He's going to send the Holy Spirit in a way that He has not been sent. He is going to send the Holy Spirit to enable these men and, and all of His people to, to empower them to keep His commandments, to pray, and to have true, lasting faith. And notice what He says, I'm going to send to you another Helper. The Holy Spirit also known as the Comforter, an Advocate. Think of that, we have two Advocates tonight. We have Jesus, who is our Advocate with the Father, and we even have the Holy Spirit, who is an Advocate for, for us, as Paul tells us in Romans. When we don't know how to pray, who is helping us? The Holy Spirit. Giving us the very words we need. And so Jesus says, I'm going to send another Comforter. He's going to provide one who will encourage these disciples, who will encourage us, who makes intercession for us along with Jesus. And notice the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and abides with the people of God forever. Now, when did we receive the Holy Spirit? When we came to faith in Christ. Again, we're not waiting for a second baptism. We're not waiting for the Holy Spirit to be given to us. 
No, the, the Spirit of God was given to us the moment we came to faith in Jesus. And He is the Spirit of truth. What does that mean? It means that, that the, the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God. And is God Himself. But the Spirit of truth, as Jesus reminds us, cannot be received by the world. The world will not receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they cannot see Him nor know Him. They, they cannot see nor know. We do not see Him tonight, but we know He's with us because we know Him. But the unbeliever cannot know Him. Why? Because the things of God are, are foreign to Him. The natural man cannot understand anything that God says in His Word uh, or any doctrine that we find without God first changing his heart. The Spirit of God indwells all believers fully and abides with us forever. Again, we, we have the Holy Spirit in full tonight. And so what does the Holy Spirit do as well as, as being an advocate and making intercession for us? He also brings a right knowledge of God to us. When you think of your salvation, how did you come to believe? Because you're so smart? Because you could reason that Jesus is God come in the flesh? No. The only way you could believe is the fact that the Holy Spirit changed your heart, replaced your heart of sin, and gave you a, a heart of belief. And then you heard the gospel, and it being enlightened by the Holy Spirit, then you could come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. The Spirit of God also causes us to persevere. You will persevere in this life, not because you're so great, but because of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. And as we have already heard tonight, He also gives us the very words to pray. Notice Jesus tells them in the end, I, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus wanted to assure these men that no matter what was about to take place, He was not leaving them by themselves. He was sending them a helper. And so what application can we make tonight? Well, is it possible to have a faith that is steady, that will remain steady even in dark and uncertain times? Well, if we remember what we've heard tonight, yes, if we, if we know the power of the church. Again, the power of the church is given to us by Jesus. It's His power. When you think of the, the darkest days of the church and church history. But the church is still here, isn't it? The church remains. The church will remain. The power of Christ has been given to every visible church upon this earth. And we are called to do what? To serve Jesus faithfully in worship and prayer and evangelism and in these things. If we serve Him faithfully, we will be a success in His eyes, even if we are not in the world's eyes. Our faith will remain steady if we remember the power of prayer. In the name of Jesus. You know, we are going through a very rough spot now in the life of the church. We've lost people, money's down, and so are you praying? If you're not, then don't expect God to do anything. God uses our prayers, but He also overrules our prayers. 
But we are called to pray. And then we will know uh, our faith will remain steady if we know the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work. He is at work here tonight, even if we can't see. You know, we pray for revival. What is revival? Well, it is where God enlightens men and women and children to the dangers of hell and brings them to faith in Jesus. How? Through preaching and by His Spirit. It's where God takes those of us who are already in Christ and, and He rejuvenates us in our faith, in our Christian walk. And we are to be praying for that tonight. And, that, and we, we know that will only come by the Spirit. Now what about when our faith wavers? And it will. We're, we're human beings. We, we do not always have the assurance that we would like to have the assurance of salvation. Our, our faith will waver from time to time. It will not always be steady. It, it will sometimes be affected by what happens to us. And, and so what, what about when that happens? Well, we are to recognize the sovereignty of God. We are to be reminded that God is sovereign. We are not. We do not dictate to God what He does. He dictates to us. And not only is he sovereign, but he's all powerful. And so when our faith begins to waver, we must put our focus where it should be. And the only proper object, focus of, of true saving faith is who? It's Jesus. We put our faith and our focus upon him. And so what about you tonight? Do you have saving faith? Faith in Jesus. Most of us tonight will say, yes, we have saving faith in Jesus. We, we have received and we have rested upon the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation as He has offered to us in the gospel. And if that is you tonight, then praise God for it. Because He did, did it, you didn't. You see, in every church, even on Sunday evenings when the faithful are here, there are still those who do not have true saving faith. And so if you do not have that tonight, if you do not have true saving faith in Jesus, what are you to do? Well, you are to try, or you are to give up trying to save yourself and come to the only one who can save you. You're to see your sin and your need of, of Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're to turn uh, from your sin and you're to turn to Jesus. And recognize that He is the only one who can save. He is the only mediator between you and God. And if you are not united to Him in faith, then you have no mediator. You have no one to appear before the holy and just God and defend you because of not your righteousness, His righteousness. And so you need to turn from your sins and turn to Christ in faith. And as you do that, what will God do? He will give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you the same helper that Jesus promised to His disciples. The Spirit of truth. And you will then be welcomed into the family of God. And you will not be an orphan. For Jesus has come to you.
May God add His blessing tonight to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You tonight that we can be reminded of these words of our Lord. Oh God, we thank You that You do mighty works through Your Spirit. And Father, we pray for that tonight. That even tonight You would revive us. You would work through preaching. And Lord, that as Your Word has gone forth, there would be power in that Word. And we pray tonight in, 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 the, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that You would be glorified here this evening. I pray for any here tonight that they do not have saving faith. Lord, grant them saving faith. Change their heart by your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Show them their sin. And may they now receive that Spirit of truth. May they now be able to receive Christ with a new heart, recognizing their need of Him. No, God, for the rest of us, may we go out this week. May we share the good news of Jesus. And Lord, use us to share that good news so that all would come and know Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.